Welcome, as always, to the A Block. Thank you for being here. My name is Marshall Ferguson, and I hope that you are excited at getting set for week number five in the Canadian Football League. Week five, Labor Day, just like normal. Always, uh, not quite. This is a different year, of course, and this is a different Labor Day setup, but it doesn't take away from the charm and the magic of the weekend itself and of the games, we hope, and the product on the field. The first month, they all know the defenses have been ahead, the offense struggling to find their rhythm, scratching and crawling their way towards the end zone at times in places like BC and Ottawa, but got some dandies in this one. Saskatchewan Winnipeg, of course, is going to be a barn burner because it's the two best teams that we've seen thus far in the CFL season. Toronto and Hamilton, lots of reasons to be excited about that. And the one that really has my attention, you might think, well, Edmonton coming out of quarantine and all the rest with their COVID issues. No, it's actually Montreal against Ottawa. That's the one that I really have my eyes on because that is probably going to be a Montreal win. But who knows, because the East is weird. And as we saw in 2019, between Ottawa and Toronto, sometimes it can be a battle between two teams that they might only be able to beat one another and they have to go back and forth against each other. And it just sets up this incredible tone to lead into Labor Day weekend. So very excited for the action coming up. We'll get to previewing all of that with our great guest, uh, Christina Custable today, right here on the A Block. But first, I got to let you know, of course, that you need to get geared up and head over to fox40shop.com for Fox 40 gear, whistles, and coaching boards. The CFL season, of course, underway. U Sports getting underway very soon. High school coaching. You might have a club season coming up in the, in the fall, maybe in the winter you got your flight coming up fox40shop.com is the place to go to get everything that you need cfp15 at checkout you get 15 percent off on your order and you can of course do that easily simply from anywhere that you have access to fox40shop.com they have a great deal in place for you go ahead and use it and make sure you're taking advantage and of course our good friends from sawdust city brewing company want to let you know that you can use their promo code cfl to get yourself some beer to enjoy while you're watching the CFL season. Of course, they have a wide variety of brews available. They have a great lineup that just came out in August, and they've got some new releases as well coming out for September. I haven't tried it yet, but the Maple Butter Tart Ale, I think, is one that my dad is going to appreciate. Big Maple Butter Tart guy, that Brian Ferguson. So I'll be ordering some of that for him, and I hope that you do as well. Again, you can check those out by going to sawdustcitybeer.com. Use the promo code CFL. Get free shipping in Ontario on your first order over $100. So enough of me. Let's get to Christina Costable talking about all things CFL and a little bit of background here off the top on how the heck she got to where she is today. It's a hell of a journey. Enjoy. First and foremost, thank you for being on with me. I appreciate it. It's been far too long. I'm actually embarrassed. How long. We've been around since February, and you are one of the premier female voices and voices in general on Canadian Football League coverage, and uh, we haven't had you on, and that's my fault and nobody else's. So I apologize, and thank you for still accepting despite the fact that it's been too long. Oh my God, of course. You're one of my besties around the CFL world. So I will do anything to be on your podcast. I'm actually very excited. I remember we chatted about this, like when you guys first launched, yeah. you're like, oh, you should come on one day. And I was like, okay. So this is great. I'm very excited. Yeah. I, uh, I think I lost my way in terms of scheduling somewhere <laughs> along the road where I was like, are we going to have a season? Are we not going to have a season? What do I do for guests? Do I I'll, I'll tell lots of stories. That's what I'll do. I'll just tell stories. And then it was like, well, I'll get all the retired guys that are going. And then, uh, you know, I'll try to, and then the XFL stuff hits. And it, so it was just kind of like this wave of going through the off season. And then we finally got in season and I'm like, 
why the hell have I not talked to Christina yet? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> well, here we are. Here we are now. It's all good. Exactly. I'm glad that I have you on. Before we get into teeing up some of the Labor Day weekend matchups and notes of interest and things that you've written and whatnot on CFL.ca, um, tell people your journey to the CFL because I think a lot of people know you as, hey, CFL.ca and working in the editorial side and but they don't really know your backstory and how you got involved in either football, covering it, writing about it, how you found that interest, that passion. Was it always what you wanted to do? Were there other things that maybe just led you down this path? I think everybody's journey towards getting to their career that they feel really passionate about is always interesting. Yeah. So I actually started out in nursing school, uh, right out of high school. There was uh, journalism. First of all, was not on my radar at all, but even working in football, no. Um, so yeah, nursing school, I went, did a year and it was not for me. So I dropped out, took a year off and was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I always really liked sports. And I was like, I don't actually know how to make sports a career for me personally. I've never played. Um, I mean, as a kid, I played soccer, but I mean, who doesn't play soccer when you're a kid? <laughs> um, but there was, I didn't know how to make that transition to where I could take my love for sports and make it a career. Um, and then I was like, what if I become a sports reporter? That's what it was. I didn't have any like specific place that I wanted to go. I was like, maybe I could be a sports reporter. So I decided to go into journalism at Mohawk College in Hamilton. And I was like, I don't really know what this is. Um, what is journalism? Like you see like reporters on TV, but you don't, I didn't really know exactly what <clears throat> it entailed. And then once I was in school, I was like, okay, cool. Here's a real opportunity for me as a student in the Hamilton scene to try out every sport that's in Hamilton. So I just started calling people. I called the Hamilton Bulldogs. I was like, hey, here's my skills. Can you bring me on? And they did as an intern. Nice. And I went from being behind the camera because like I was just like, I'll do literally anything to get inside the building. And then I made my way up to actually being part of their broadcast as sideline reporter on AM 900 CHML. And then I was also part of their broadcast on cable 14. I had my own segment during the first intermissions where I would just talk crap about whatever I wanted. And I like really focused on the junior hockey scene in Hamilton. And then where the football thing came in, like I said, I was trying really hard to kind of dip into every single sport that I could in the Hamilton sports scene. Cause we know that there's a lot of sports there. Um, the tie cats would not take me. Uh, <laughs> they were like, sorry, we don't do interns to come cover practice. And I was like, okay, no problem. So what's the next best thing? And I had reached out to the CJFL's Hamilton Hurricanes. And I was like, listen, you guys are missing a digital presence, the host, whatever it was. I have these skills. Let me help you. Mm -hmm. um, so I went on it for a year with them as like their, they called me a media coordinator, but I essentially run their, ran their social media and I was also their like online host. And that's where I got my first taste of football. And I was like, I love this. Um, and I had already been watching the CFL growing up, like with my dad. And I remember on, this is one of my favorite stories, like power of positive thinking. Yep. Um, during the 2015 Grey Cup, I had tweeted out, I was like, um, one day I'm going to be reporting at the Grey Cup, like hashtag career goals. And literally exactly six months later, I got hired. And then the next year to the day, I was on the sideline at my first Grey Cup. Man. Yeah. It's so Isn't good. It's so good, Christina, <laughs> because it's like, yeah. I, I've become a big believer recently in putting things out there and trying to chase mm -hmm. it down as well. And for me, 
like back in the day that was sports center. And then I got older and I was like, ah, I don't really think I'm sports center, but I'm like, there's definitely something there. And I never really knew what I wanted to do. I just thought, you know, if I could try and influence some people to love the game the way that I do love it, then maybe I'll find a spot. And then I got into play-by-play, right? And, and that became that venue. And then doing this game the past week was like, it was such an awakening for me of you're standing inside of the television broadcast that you've been watching for years. And it's almost, as, it's as almost as if somebody were to, you know, this isn't about me, but I'm just using it as a kind of a window back into your, your kind of perspective and view is that it's almost as if somebody watches law and order or CSI for 10 years passionately. And then they're like, Hey, do you want to be Horatio Kane? And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> like <"What?"> okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess. and then you're standing in Miami and you're the one ripping off the shades and you're like, Oh my God, what is happening right now? So, but like for, for you, you must've had that moment on the sidelines in the great cup. Did you realize it in the moment, how special that was, or was it kind of like, oh, yeah. it's chaotic and you finish the great cup and then you kind of look around in the off season and you go, Oh my goodness, what did they just do? Yeah. So it was a bit of both. So the week leading up to it, you've been with us for those weeks before that yep. is like the most chaos I've ever been in. And that was my first one. So I, Barely well, I feel, <laughs> hang on. I feel bad because you guys always <laughs> say that's the most chaotic week ever. And you always talk about how it's like, I just, I got to get through. I got to get everything done. I got to, and I always feel bad because you guys are doing so much work. And then they, for the last couple of years, they, you guys would just parachute me in and be like, Hey, do you want to shoot a couple of videos? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And sure. I go to, I go to content meeting and you guys are like, Oh, the schedule's all over the place and the availabilities and the, and I always feel so bad because you guys are so busy during that week. People don't realize the amount of effort it goes into putting on that week and putting on all of the, the production that you guys do on the editorial side. And I just felt like an idiot all the time when I was there. You shouldn't. I mean, yeah, we put in all that work, but like it's people like you who come in and do those videos for us that make my life, for example, a million times easier. Like even playoffs when we would do like those uh segments after practice and stuff it was so easy working with you and it made my life a thousand times easier so thank you for that even though you're not as busy as we are it definitely makes our life so much easier good so much easier good Mm -hmm. good but yeah so that great cup week leading up before Mm -hmm. i cut you off it was just crazy and all over the place and then did you have that moment yeah so it wasn't until pregame of the actual game because i've made it now a routine where i always go down and stand on the sideline and just take it in because like i don't know if it's ever going to be my last great cup like who knows where life will take me um so that day i I went down on the sideline it was here in toronto and i just like took a deep breath and my family was in the the stands which was really cool so like i could see them and they could see me and like i just stood there and was like i made it like this is the pinnacle of Canadian sports, first of all. And the fact that I just did a full season and now I'm here, it was honestly surreal. I just remember standing there being like, wow, like if this was my last one, because at that point I was still like an intern. Yep. Um, so I didn't know if they were going to sign me on for the next year. They did, but I didn't know. So I was just like, if this is the one and only time I'm taking in this moment and just like soaking it all in. Yeah. And it's funny because another common thread between you and I is that, yes, we believe that it's the pinnacle of Canadian sport being there on Grey Cup Sunday. And, but there's nothing, and this is, this is a privileged thing for people that work in and around the game, the league and media, but there is nothing like being on the sidelines, either before a Grey Cup, after a Grey Cup, during a Grey Cup. And I'll never forget, you know, in 2016, right, that Toronto Grey Cup that you're talking about, 
Uh, I was not on the sidelines because I was just in the stands with my dad and a couple of family members and some of the buddies that I played high school football with, and we had a blast. And but uh, <laughs> pissed off my dad the whole game because I was telling him exactly where the ball was going to go. He always he still he still bugs me because I'm I'm sitting up really high at BMO on the opposite side from the benches, and the whole game I'm going. I mean, three on two to the boundary. Why would you not just go to Ellingson here? And of course they just like take a little <laughs> quick, little easy out. And he's like, you got to yeah. shut up. Like you're ruining the game. So, um, <laughs> but, but that was, you know, 2016, 2017 was in Ottawa. And I remember my co-host on radio, Kyle Mello, we did the show from one of my friend's basements that week in Ottawa. And then uh, he said, you know, I'm going to go to the press box. I'm going to, you know, I show face. And I, I say, Kyle, it's going to be a shit show up there. It's not yeah. very big. There's too many people. It's going to be crammed. Like, and so I said to him, because of course I'm just shooting a video after the game and the snow started to come down before kickoff. And we were a couple of blocks away from the stadium. And I said, dude, this is a, this might be a once in a lifetime snowball of a gray cup. You need to watch this from the concourse with me. Cause I said, I ain't going up there. Like I'm going to mm-hmm. watch this from the concourse with a beer in my hand and enjoy being around all the people that make the Canadian football league great. So I did. And it was one of the best nights I've ever had in the CFL, but then get to 2018 where the great cup is in Edmonton. And I didn't really know Christina, whether or not my press pass gave me sideline access, but I acted like it did. Uh, And I had an, I had an official enough badge that somebody said, cool. And then I stood right next to the end zone where Uh, Calgary scored two of their touchdowns in that game in the victory over Ottawa. And I just remember being down on field side pregame and talking to Bakari Grant and talking to to Bo and getting to see what the footing was like for Ellingson and all those little things that you take away from it. And like, that's the stuff that makes the CFL and really covering the game special as a journalist, doesn't it? Oh, a hundred percent. And like, so during the game, I have to be upstairs working, but I, like I said, I love to be down there because you can just feel the atmosphere. First of all, the fans are so excited. And I love looking up and seeing a bunch of different kind of colors of jerseys. That's my favorite part. Because if I go to like an Argos game, it's mostly Argos jerseys. You go to Saskatchewan, it's mostly Sask jerseys. But on Grey Cup, it's every single one from like all eras. And that to me is exciting because I love that it's just everyone's here. Doesn't matter if your team's in it or not. You're just here to have fun and watch the game. Um, but yeah, I agree. It's there's just something so special about it, which is why, like I said, I make sure I go down and I take like a quick minute of like gratitude to be like, you're here. Like, yeah. don't take advantage of this, the moment. Like you're here. This is it. These guys are all just as excited as you that are on the field. Like, I- I'm sorry, but I'm just excited of them. I'm not about to win a championship, but to me, that is the championship of my year mm-hmm. because I've put in all this work leading up to it, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I do love going down on the sideline. I remember that Ottawa one too. It's funny you mentioned the uh, the snow. I, I was standing on sideline as usual and I was like, I need to go upstairs and get ready. Like nothing was really happening. There's like two flakes coming down. I'm like, okay, I should probably go upstairs, get ready. So I, I went upstairs, made my rounds. And like, you know how when you go up that press box, you're kind of in that elevator on the back side of the press box. Yeah. I was in that area, grabbing like a coffee, talking to a few people. And then when I went to go sit down at my seat, blizzard. And I was like, when did this happen? I was like gone for two seconds. I kind of regretted going up too early because that would have been cool just to like be down there while it was snowing. But that was such a cool moment for sure. Uh, yeah, my moment of holy bleep, how much snow is going to come down in this game <laughs> came when I was actually sitting, I, I think it was like a, a Jack Astors or a Buffalo Wild Wings. It was wherever the Ticats had their kind of team set up. 
And I, I was like, I should go show face. I'm the play-by-play voice of the Ticats. And I hadn't really been out to many team parties or anything throughout the week because I was working. So I decided to go and uh, and sit down. And when I sat down, somebody from the Ticats came over and they're like, hey, whatever you want, food, drink, you know, it's it's on us. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, wow, okay, I can get a nice meal in here. And it's on. So I, I end up sitting down and enjoying it. And, you know, the pregame show was obviously up on all the televisions. And my head is down, taking a bite, look up. There's no snow, another head down, look up, inch of snow. And I'm like, what? Yeah, how? I, I didn't even think it was the same city. I thought they had cut to a shot live from Alberta or something like that, where they're like, <laughs> well, this is what it looked like in the weather in uh, 1996 in Hamilton. And I was like, no, this is Ottawa right now, right now. This is right now. Is. So, um, yeah, that was certainly special. Before I move on, I do want to ask you one more question looking backwards. Um, you talked about kind of having this feeling of, journalism maybe being something you'd be interested in but not really knowing what it was about how to get into it I would imagine that there had to be somebody and likely female reporters that would have opened your eyes to okay I could actually do this because for me you know I people always make fun of me for this but because we're not necessarily the same people and I'm not nearly as funny as him but I saw Jay Onright doing television when I was a kid and I said I want to do that like that was the thing that opened my mind to television can be really fun. And it made me motivated to the idea of this is something that I'd like to mix into my skill, wherever I end up, whatever I end up doing, I want it to feel that fun, because that guy doing that job opened my eyes, who opened your eyes to the fact that you're leaving nursing, you're going into journalism, and you feel like you can do this because of blank. There's two. One was Andy Petrillo when she was back on, I think they called it at the time the iDes. I can't remember when it was uh, on Hockey in Canada and they would always throw over to her and she'd be standing there doing her little report, whether it was like some social media stuff or whatever it was. But I loved that she was involved somehow. Um, and I loved that it was a female voice on one of like the biggest stages in terms of Canadian viewership. Um, and then the second one who I now call a friend, which is crazy is Sarah Orleski. Um, like I remember watching her back when she was on the score, when that was still like a TV station and then she made her flip to TSN. And I always just thought that it was so cool that it was a female doing sideline reporting. Cause when I first got into it, I was like, maybe I'll go into sideline, which I did kind of touch on uh, a little bit, but it was Sarah. Um, she was, is, I should say is so great at what she does. Um, not only you know, her football knowledge and her presence on air, but she's just like a great human. Um, and so it's been nice to like get to know her over the years being in the CFL because I did look up to her for so long before I even made the switch over. Yeah, I, I can second that. Sarah is fantastic. I remember the first time I just mm-hmm. crept into a CFL on TSN uh, day before sit down and she was asking the questions and she treated me as if I wasn't an outsider, like as if I just deserved Mm -hmm. to be there in the room. So she is one of the special people. And by the way, the degree of difficulty, and now that I I work in television a little bit, the degree of difficulty on what she did week one in Winnipeg, like to open up the season and to do the pregame ceremony on live television with people buzzing in your ear and also timing it out and a flyover and the anthem and the indigenous community salute and throw to Wade Miller and get his words and then unveil the banner and play the highlight. I'm like, she, she she did all of that as if it was just like her making scrambled eggs in the morning. Like it was just like, yeah, you crack the eggs, you put them in the bowl, you do this, you switch them around, you put a little salt and pepper on, boom, we're done. And I couldn't believe how easy she made that look. 
I know it's because she's so good at what she does. And to me, that's so inspiring. Like I know her and I are kind of on a little bit of different paths now, but I still look up to her in the sense that she's literally a boss. Like she is that girl in the CFL world. And I love that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's look at Labor Day weekend here because you have all sorts of great stuff up on CFL.ca. As always, again, uh, you can check out her work there. And uh, yeah, it is. Uh, it's funny because usually Labor Day weekend is all about the three classic matchups, right? But for me, I'm so intrigued by what the hell is going to happen tonight in Ottawa. Uh, because the more that I study Montreal and I see the way that Vernon Adams Jr. is just saying, oh, you guys all want to throw the ball five yards down the field? For better or worse, I'm going to throw the ball 20 yards down the field consistently. And then Ottawa, with what's happening with their quarterback stuff, where do you see this game going in terms of storylines? Great question. Um, I I kind of hope. I don't know. I know Lapo kind of touched on this a little bit, that he's like, well, you know, I've only been in this system for four games. I don't know. But I really hope that Ottawa uses Don Davis somehow. I'm not saying he should start. Um, I just think that maybe it's like that struggler package where you throw him in and do something. Um, I just don't think that their offense obviously is clicking and you need to change something. I know that they've had some injuries and I know that there's some new guys uh, in the receiving core, but if you have that extra oomph behind center, I think that that might confuse the defense. And I think that they need to do it again. I'm not a coach, so I don't know how long it takes to implement those types of plays into a, a system, but maybe once, twice, just to confuse them enough a little bit. But that's one storyline that I want to watch. And I just want to see, I love Vernon Adams. I'm a big Vernon Adams fan. I love a quarterback who A, can use his legs and B, throws those long bombs. So Vernon to me is my kind of quarterback. So I'm hoping he'll do much of both. I'm going to be watching him for sure because I just love how he plays. It's so fun for me and it's so interesting. And I love big, big explosive plays, juking around, breaking ankles. Like that's my kind of QB. Yeah, I'm I'm so with you. And it's funny because I've always been like hyper efficiency guy, high completion percentage, make the smart throw. And then, you know, I go through the whole off season of 2019 through 2020 without a season into 2021. We're starting late this year. And I'm like, no, no, like Vernon really has to, you know, iron down what he's going to do. And that was honestly my take for a year and a half. And then I saw him do what he does. And I'm like, what the hell am I talking about? Like, why would you possibly be cheering for normalcy when the opposite is Vernon Adams Jr.? Again, for better or worse, like in the win column, it might not shake out for them. And in terms of efficiency and production, certainly in that game against Hamilton in week four, it didn't look great. But when he hits on some of those plays, he is the most exciting quarterback in the Canadian Football League. And I know people in Saskatchewan will be saying, oh my God, how can you say that about Cody Fajardo is an exciting quarterback. But he is also extremely uh, resigned to, okay, this is the system. I'll work within the system. I'll make some plays here and there. Vernon at times feels like this is the system. Well, yeah, that's cool, Kahari. Like, I like your system. But (laughs) But I'm going to do this. Yeah, but I'm going to go over here and do this. (laughs) And, And I love that he just has this, like, it honestly feels like baking soda and vinegar. As soon as the snap comes up where you're just like, I have no idea if the volcano is going to explode now in the third quarter. But at some point. The volcano is going to explode. And I love that he is, he's so sporadic in that way. So it's funny that you say like, that's your style of quarterback. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And that's why I like Cody Fajardo a lot as well, because he reminds me obviously not as sporadic as Vernon, as you were just saying, but I do love Cody in that sense. And I'm loving 
the Zach Calero scrambles. To me, like oh. Zach, I could watch roll out of the pocket for hours. Like I love what Zach's been doing this year. Love so it. So this is not a, uh, a shot at Zach's age and tenure because that's something to be celebrated, not hated on. But the way that he makes people miss like when Vernon and Cody make people miss in the open field, it's these nasty jukes, like you're saying, breaking ankles and, you know, stutter step and cutting back. And people are just like, just blinded by their athleticism. When Zach makes people miss, it reminds me of like the old crafty guy on the basketball court at the YMCA who gets down into the post and drops 30. And at the end of the game, everybody's like, how do you do? Th- how, how do you score? Th- it doesn't make any, how did he like, he, he's making all these young athletic guys, look like fools because mm-hmm. Zach knows because he's got that veteran savvy, right. To just, you know, I'm breaking out of the pocket, stutter, stutter. I'll just turn back the other direction. Just kidding. I'm not actually going that way. And he'll like fake this way, fake that way. It just runs in circles. And, and he always finds, he's just trying to create enough space to throw, right? Like he's not trying mm-hmm. to take off for a 40 yard run, but he's so smart at it. It's like, again, I hate to use the you know old person analogies, but it's like watching somebody, that is in a wheelchair and they're trying to cross the sidewalk and you know, a bike is coming the other direction and they just juke them in space. And it's like, okay, how are you able to create that amount of, of space and separation when it feels like you're, you're limited in the way that you're able to uh, move so freely, but then he just comes out the other side of that and gets away and makes throws. And, and he's so accurate on the run too, right? Like that's such a positive that he has. Oh, a hundred percent. And like you were saying, like nothing, I love when like, this is bad, but I love when another player gets embarrassed, whether it's like, you know, you're, you're breaking your ankles or like you're, you're trying to go for like an interception instead of like playing the body and you lose it and they score a touchdown, whatever it is. And to me, Zach just does that to everyone. Like he's doing it to the D lineman. He's doing it to anyone who's blitzing on him. Cause he's just like, whoop, whoop, whoop. And then he makes a 40 yard completion and you're literally sitting there like, how yeah yeah it is tough to figure out how he does that Uh, again it's winnipeg and saskatchewan is the next game up on sunday we've teed up zach a little bit here but cody going up against willie jefferson jackson jeffcoat adam big kill that to me that feels like if you could pick one offense to go against one defense that would really scream 2021 bashing of of the powers that's it oh a hundred percent and i think that there's still a little animosity between these two teams i know 2019 was two years ago but I feel like the riders are probably still a little bit upset that they didn't win that Western final because, you know, the goalpost, I won't bring that up. Sorry, rider fans. Um, but I think that there's still a little history between them. So meanwhile, you're going against a great defense and obviously one of the best offenses in the league right now, but there's also the heated history and it's Labor Day. Mm-hmm. I, that's my game of the week to watch. I'm very excited about that one for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Hamilton against Toronto. You know this one well from being in and around Hamilton. I do too from calling a bunch of Labor Day classics on radio in Hamilton. Uh, It looks like it's going to be a pair of up and coming quarterbacks as of right now, both wearing number nine, both former backups getting their opportunities. Arbuckle, Dane Evans. What do you see in this one when it comes to the quarterback play specifically? Because to me, this is it's, I don't want to say a volatile time, but it's a time for both of these guys to really prove themselves and take hold of a franchise. And this is the game that you do it in. Uh, Totally. I'm most looking forward to seeing Nick. Um, I was very, very, very excited to see him uh, when they played two weeks ago. And it's unfortunate they didn't get to play last week so we could see him in a second game. But to me, Nick was just, he was great. Like I thought in his debut, I really liked what he was doing. He was efficient. I think he threw for over 300 yards. 
Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he's going to do with that offense, because I think a lot of us were talking about this over the off season, you know, they had this roster with all these star names and it was like, yeah, but are they going to be able to do anything with it? And to me, I think that they have, I really liked their double back set where they used, uh, John way and DJ Foster. Um, and I really, really, really liked Nick center again it was one game so we'll see how he performs uh this weekend or on monday i should say but i'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do behind center a fun little uh, tidbit here for people to give you an idea of how nick arbuckle is just a different cat i sent out yesterday on thursday uh that that gif of theatric hansen and the fact that everything he touches explodes and uh, i got a dm 30 seconds afterwards from nick arbuckle Okay. And I don't feel like I'm betraying any confidences here, but Nick DM'd me and said, you should check out Eric Rogers on one of the final kickoffs of the game in week three. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. I'll check that out. And then my mind went, wait, why the hell does the quarterback know what happened on special teams film? Like what he's, he's not in those meetings. And mm-hmm. I don't think Eric Rogers was walking around the practice facility with his phone out going, Nick, watch this, watch this. So I'm just thinking like, I think Nick Arbuckle is sitting in on special teams meetings in Toronto just because he really likes football. <laughs> I was like, I love that. That's just a different guy. Cause a lot of quarterbacks, not to their detriment would go put in all the work they need to get everything done, full preparation, put in some extra work on the offense, but they ain't watching special teams film. No. And I mean, the quarterback arguably has the most going on. So why would you have extra time watching something that you're not involved in? But I love that. I mean, he's, it kind of reminds me of, he's just like us in the sense that he literally just really loves football. And if you can consume as much as you can, why not? Um, So I love that. I'm glad that he does that. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a fun realization for me for sure. But uh, I, I, I'm looking forward to Hamilton, Toronto to see the quarterbacks. And of course, to see what personality these teams take on. Cause I I still don't think we know what Hamilton is yet. Casey, like I really, they've been such, they've been such different team. They've been a different team from the first drive of week one against Winnipeg to the rest of the game in Winnipeg to the team they were in Saskatchewan versus the team they were in Montreal. It's like, I I think we're still in a regular season at a regular length. We would still be a month and a half, two months out from labor day. And we'd be like, ah, whatever they're finding their feet. But this year with this setup on this weekend, there's no chance to just figure out who you are other than in real time with bullets flying all over the place in front of 20,000 people, however many are allowed in there. Yeah. And I think too, it's, it's super interesting for me. I noticed this in the first two weeks, which is why I gave all teams a little bit of a grace period is I think they were really missing preseason, especially the offenses. Um, but then once week three, week four rolled around, most teams were kind of finding their identities. Um, their offenses were being efficient, you know, that we could see like some great defenses, like in BC, who knew? Um, and then Hamilton just, I feel like they're the only team that hasn't found an identity. Like I know that Ottawa has been struggling a little bit, um, offensively, we know this, but I just feel like Hamilton doesn't know what, what they want to be, which is strange because I feel like they kept so many pieces from their 2019 season. So that's why I'm just like how, I know they have some uh, injuries at receiver, but I'm just, I'm perplexed. Like I don't know what's going on in Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, I think that's part of the fun of this weekend for us is 
Yeah, Hamilton, or sorry, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, I think we know what those teams are because they've kind of established it early on. And Hamilton's still finding themselves, and they got to do it at home against a pretty good Argos team. So fun to see them uh, find their identity in real time, as I say. But the last one of the weekend, Calgary-Edmonton. First and foremost, I think we're both just very thankful this game is happening uh, because (laughs) there was some concern that maybe we were going to end up with an empty slot uh, because of the COVID outbreak with the Edmonton Elks, but it is going to happen. It is going to be played. Might be some players out due to COVID protocol, all the rest, but they'll be on the field and get an opportunity. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Bo Levi Mitchell apparently injected milk directly into his veins uh, and and comes off the sixth game. Now, I don't know if he's going to start, dress otherwise, but in a league where you can only dress two quarterbacks uh, with you know, Jake Mayer being there, if Bo dresses, he has to be healthy enough to play. So for him to come off the six game list at this point and then to allow him to get back out there and do some more things in practice. I mean, it also caught me off guard that he was in a boot, I believe, for Jake Mayer's first start. And then when I saw him on the sideline in Winnipeg this past week for Jake Mayer's second start, he was wearing running shoes. And I was like, yeah, okay, I guess. Sure. That's that seems like a quick turnaround to just like be in a boot and out of a boot immediately. But uh, this game, I mean, Mayer goes 16 of 16 in the first half in week four against Winnipeg. Not very long targets, a lot of checkdowns, a lot of crossers, a lot of easy stuff. But he is becoming what Nick Arbuckle was for the Calgary Stampeders in 2019, which is replace Bo, go in, handle the offense, and create some drive. And I mean, if if there's a couple of more catches here and there, that game's probably not close. They missed a touchdown shot to Kamara Jordan in the second half in that game against Winnipeg that could have opened it up. And he's been really impressive thus far. Are we making too much of Jake Mayer or is this like the right amount of yeah he's earned our praise thus far first of all I just want to say that I wish that I had Bo Levi Mitchell's healing ability if I hurt my knee I'm down and out for like three weeks (laughs) or three months um like please whatever you're doing please help me um but I it's it's tough to know we have we've only seen like a really small sample size of Jake Um, To me, I don't think that you're making too much of it only based on the fact that after he threw that early interception in his first start a few weeks ago, I think he settled right in and like I liked everything I saw from him. He was confident. He was poised. He was obviously making his completions. Um, So I don't think there's too much that we're making of this. I think this weekend barring that he's starting and Bo doesn't come in like Superman or something. Yeah. um, (laughs) I think this is his true test. I think the big stage You have obviously a hungry Elks team that is probably frustrated that they didn't get to play last week. And I've liked their defense and I really like their defensive line. And I think that this is the test for him this week to see, is he the real deal or was this just kind of like a beginner's luck? Yeah, and if he plays well, does that give them the flexibility to hold Bo out for the rematch as well uh, going mm-hmm. into Edmonton the following week? It's it's funny, no matter when we hold the Labor Day Classics and the rematches, there's always similar questions where it's like, it feels like this just linchpin of the season that a lot of decisions have to be made and there's a lot of emotion involved and all the rest, but uh, nobody to guide us through it better than Christina Costabile. And again, check her out on cfl.ca. Thanks for making time early in the morning, KC. I appreciate it. And uh, try not to have too busy of a week. Enjoy Saturday. There's no game on Saturday. That's nice, exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's my day. <laughs> there you go. Be able to relax and uh, and enjoy yourself. And again, let people know where they can follow you right now on social media to get all the updates and all your work. Yes, yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at kcostable1. There that's where go. everything will be. There you go. That's the best place to go. Thank you. We appreciate it and uh, looking forward to seeing more of your work coming out of Labor Day weekend. Thanks, Marsh.
always enjoy being able to sit down with Christina, her perspective and her honesty as well. To be able to go from nursing school into, well, maybe I'll try this journalism thing, into, well, maybe I'll be one of the lead writers on the Canadian Football League for everybody to enjoy, shared over a platform that gets hundreds of thousands of downloads and clicks and everything else every couple days is pretty amazing to see, but she takes it in stride. And I think that's the thing that makes me love Christina the most is her personality is strong, her takes are sometimes stronger, but her character and the way that she holds herself and cares about the job that she does, I think, is second to absolutely nobody in this industry. And I enjoy being able to see where she's going to go moving forward. Fingers crossed it's nowhere outside the CFL because I believe that we need strong female voices on the game and she is certainly one of those. Thank you for tuning into the A Block. Have yourselves a great Labor Day weekend. As always, don't forget to check out fox40shop.com and sawdustcitybeer.com. They make this podcast possible and they allow us to operate at a high level and produce all of this content for you to enjoy going into these games to get you excited, break them down, talk about them, talk some U Sports coming up. we got some great CJFL announcements coming up in the next couple of weeks as well. It's all coming together as we finally hit the beautiful, beautiful month of September. For now, have yourselves a great Labor Day weekend, and we'll talk to you coming up on Marsh and Mellow next week.